0: Hi, folks. So last year, the New South Wales Treasurer, Matt Keane, appointed Helen Conway to represent the government's near 50% interest in Endeavour Energy, which is a power and poles company. On March 10, he said Helen was a fraud whose T-shirts should be smeared in black oil so Helen Conway is clearly giving the Libs a run for their money in North Shore. So um, hello, Helen, and, and th- thanks a lot for coming on.
1: Hi, Margot, and thanks for the opportunity. It's great to catch up.
0: So my big question is why? Why would you stand You're a very successful person, you're on all sorts of boards, you're president of the YWCA, you've been head of the gender equality um, uh, organisation, so you've got corporate, you've got nonprofit, you've got government, 69 years old, isn't it all passion spent, Um, let's go and have a ball and and celebrate what I've achieved? (laughs) What on earth possessed you to go, oh, actually, I might try something new?
1: Well, it's a a good question, Margot. I've got a lot more energy left in me and a lot more passion to get things right. So I've spent my life doing different things, trying to fix things. And so this is another opportunity. And I have to say, an extremely big challenge. Um, I was approached by a community group some eight months ago, and they asked if I would uh, uh, stand. And I said, um, look, uh, I don't think so. Um, I know what politics is like. I've been on like I've been on the periphery for quite some time. I know how it works, and perhaps uh, I'm not quite up for all that. So I had further conversations with them over uh, the months, and I suppose what ultimately tipped me over the edge and to say yes was just the lack of integrity. I mean, every day we picked up the paper. And we found yet another scandal. Um, there was either you know a bushfire fund wrought or you know a jobs for mates or something like that. And I, I have been very critical of the two-party system. So I thought, well, you know, I have spent my life trying to make things right. I'd like to have a go at this. And uh, so um, hand on heart, um, and then of course with the great support of all my family, they said go for it. And so I said yes. And so that's why I'm doing it.
0: You know what I love about it is that community independents basically be in their 40s, 50s and everyone mm. blames the baby boomers. I'm I'm one of the last ones. It's like baby a baby boomer's gone right. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get in there as someone who's been around a long time and knows how the system works and knows how to how to improve the system. So anyway, congratulations. Mm. It's it's such a big thing. Now, clearly Thank for you. Matt Keen and the Libs to be so aggressive which is is not normally suitable to a safe seat people tend to like more constructive engagement you must Mm. be doing something right so tell me had you had any involvement in the community independence movement before you stood who you vote who you voted for in north sydney and how your campaign has come together
1: well i i have had no community involvement um, with those uh, representative groups. The sort of the independent movement, as such. Um, obviously, I've had involvement in the community. I've done a lot of community work over the years, um, but I, I have been quite inspired by what I've seen federally. Uh, I think mm. um, the success at the federal level and what we see now as it plays out is very instructive and very helpful. Uh, so, you know, I am a supporter of broader cross-benches, particularly at the moment, because the parties are not working for communities. And the only way you can really get change at the moment, and it's a critical time for change, particularly in the area of climate and, and environment, you can only get that change by having a stronger and and bigger cross-bench that can really pressure the parties. So I'm a great supporter of uh, the independent movement. I voted for Kylie, Kylie Tink, I'm in her electorate. Uh, and when I said yes, uh, one well, I did a couple of things, actually. The first thing I did was look at whether or not there was a code of conduct in uh, New South Wales Parliament. There is a code, actually, but clearly not working, so that needs to be fixed. I spoke to Alex Greenwich, who is the independent for the seat of Sydney, who's been in Parliament now for some 10 years and sort of the nominal leader of the crossbench, because I wanted to understand how the crossbench worked. I wanted to make sure it was functional so that if I did get elected, I wouldn't be sitting there unable to do anything. I wanted to be on a crossbench that could work collaboratively together and and drive some change. So that was very, very important to me. And the other, I guess, key consideration was whether or not the support uh, around the electorate that had been provided to both Zali Stegall and Kylie Tink and those two federal electorates I straddle in my state electorate of uh, North Shore, I wanted to make sure that those volunteers um, would be aware of my standing and might be prepared to give me some support. And, in fact, uh, we have uh, over 150 volunteers, and that is the strength of my campaign, absolutely the strength Mm. of my campaign. And some of them uh, were Zali Stegall volunteers, some were Kylie Tinker. Volunteers, and we've got a whole lot of new volunteers, you know, friends, family, a whole lot of people who will support me personally just uh, through the years. So the the campaign's come together really well uh, and, as I say, the strength of the campaign is the commitment and the incredible competency of, of my volunteers.
0: So one question I, I always ask this new breed, you know, bringing a bit of talent back, um, is, all right, you know, very successful women mainly, um, what's what's it like to sort of knock on a door and say, hi, I'm me, vote for me, like to actually have to <laughs> sell yourself? Um, wh- yeah. What's it been like, that that transition?
1: Well, uh, not a comfortable one, I have to say. Um, I'm not comfortable doing that. And in the early stages of the campaign, and we've been out campaigning you now for about three months, I was pretty bad at it. And I really have been the sort of person that just wants to get on and get things done. I'm not a marketer, um, and I don't like having to sell myself. However, I have to say, uh, over time, I've got to really enjoy it because I've had some fantastic conversations with members of the community as I've door knocked. And of course, if you want to represent the community, the fact is you have to talk to them. And you have to understand what the community thinks and says, so door knocking is one component of ascertaining the community's views so actually i've, I've got quite <laughs> into quite a rhythm and, and i'm quite happy doing that and of course I'm out you know flying and talking to people out talking to a whole lot of community groups and uh, i that, I found that uh, an enjoyable part of the campaign.
0: So one of the things that um, I'm interested in is that in New South Wales election, it actually has to be a community, a volunteer-based campaign because you've got very strict limits. You can um, spend mm-hmm. 198000 max. And, and one thing that shocked me is, you know, in a, in a seat like North Shore with lots of talent, you're not allowed to accept volunteers who are great at IT mm. or great at law or great at accounting or great at marketing, mm. that if they want to volunteer, it has to be treated as if they're being paid. So, oh, yeah. it, 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 it's, a, it's a real discipline, isn't it? To, oh, it is. It is. And I is. And understand you've, you, basically, your campaign is all volunteers. You, you might be paying your campaign manager a little bit, but basically all volunteers. Yes.
1: That's right, that's right, and And you're right about this um, very strict rule. And so for example, if I want i t. advice and the person who gives me i t. advice is a practicing i t. professional, I would have to put a value on that service and bring it to account uh, under the cap of one hundred and ninety eight thousand, which is the expenditure cap. So uh, you know we we need to get advice, whether it's i t. or legal or whatever from people who are either retired or who have stopped practicing in that that particular area of of, uh, work. So, yeah, it's pretty um, tight. You've got to be very careful. There's a lot of compliance uh, in New South Wales, which is quite different from the federal sphere. And look, I don't complain about that at all. It's just that you've got to be very uh,
0: alert and make sure you understand the rules and comply with them. So it's almost as though you've got to have a an older people's campaign because it's baby boomer <laughs> retirees who are saying, right, I'll give you yeah. my expertise. It's it's just, it's just fascinating the, the differences that these rules make.
1: Yes, and certainly um, it's probably fair to say most of my volunteers are older rather than younger. Uh, they have more time, although, of course, they also have Grandchildren, so they have family responsibilities which they're trying to fit in. We do have younger people on the campaign. We've got one young woman on the campaign who's taken time off work to do this uh, campaign, and we're trying to connect with young people as best we can. But you're right, it's um, given the nature of the funding and how the rules work, it is hard to engage younger people uh, in a voluntary capacity because even if you look at people, say, in their 30s, early 40s, a very, very important demographic they're really busy you know they're two parents working kids at school it's it's a very busy life for these people so they really don't have a lot of time to uh, to give to us and that's completely and utterly understandable
0: so with the group of volunteers it it brings in radical trust you know there's got to be a lot of delegation a lot of trust so could you just take Mm. me through the basic structure of your campaign how it's how you've Mm. organized it yes well we're running our cam- campaign a little
1: differently from some others. You know, we have a physical office in uh, in Mossman, which we do use, and it, it's a very good billboard as well, uh, but we use that for s- some meetings and, and all sorts of activities. But, but by and large, we mostly operate online, and mm. it, it's not because we're not physically close to each other, but travel time eats up a lot of time,
0: mm.
1: and we... We have people on this campaign who are highly skilled, competent, committed people. So, you know, I have a campaign manager and working with the campaign manager, we have people like, you know, we have a finance lead, a compliance lead, a volunteer's lead, a community liaison lead, a comms lead, an IT lead, a merchandising lead. So we've got all these people who sit uh, within the group and really it's like a distributed authority model. Um. People know what they have to do. They understand fully uh, what they have to do. And some of them have worked previously on Sally Steggles' campaign and on Carly's campaign. Uh, and, you know, you ask them to do something and they do it. And if they have a problem, they communicate the problem and we fix it. But there's, you know, it's, it's a bit unusual because people expect a slightly more bureaucratic model to get things done, particularly mm. in an area where there's a lot of compliance and, and that. But mm. we've found with the, the quality of the people we've got on this campaign, that model works really well. And we save a lot of time. We do, as I say, most of the stuff online. Uh, we, you know, we have chat groups um, set up for different um, sort of disciplines and, and groups of people. So the communication is is constant and mm. very immediate. Uh, so mm. for us, it's working really, really
0: well. So so let's have a look at the, the seat of North Shore. The mm. The MP is a, a moderate, Felicity yes. Wilson. Yes. And, you know, very, very safe seat, very wealthy seat, you'd have to say. And she yes. suffered a 12% swing on primaries at the 2019 mm. election. And uh, a woman called Carolyn Corrigan, who is now the mayor of Mossman, where Mm. you really need to get those Liberal voters to vote for you, got 20%. And Mm. on two candidate preferred, yes, Felicity got 61%, but she Mm. got a Mm. minus 10% swing. So there's something there for you to play with. So I want to ask how your take and why you think Felicity as a representative might be vulnerable.
1: Well, I think, first of all, there is a groundswell supporting independence. And as I say, my electorate of North Shore straddles both Zali Stegall's Mm. electorate of Warringah and uh, Kylie Tink's electorate of North Sydney. So there is this recognition here that independents can get elected and do things. And I think they're both highly regarded. And of course, Zali is now a bit of a veteran. She's uh, uh, been in in, uh, parliament now for two terms. So she's Um, a a very good operator and and really I think people are recognising that politics have been done differently by these independents. So they're they're far more consultative and they're far more in touch with the community, which is the essence really of democracy when you think about it. So, you know, I think that's the first thing. The second thing is that um, communities are becoming increasingly Anxious and irritated, frankly, that they don't get heard. So, in this community, you know, we've got lots of issues. You go around the different parts of the electorate, there are particular issues in particular parts. But when you synthesize all the information and you lift it up and say, Well, what is the underlying issue here? it's a lack of consultation with the community. So, that's what's really riling people. Uh, they're saying, any consultation that occurs is really consultation in form, not substance. Um, and we actually want someone who will advocate for us and not simply be a post box. So I think that's um, another factor uh, in how people will view the respective candidates when they go into the ballot box. Uh, and of course, uh, the other thing I'd have to say is this: this is a highly educated electorate, yeah. really educated. They're very committed and engaged, but they're also very aspirational. So, you know, I go around and talk to all these different groups. They've got great proposals to deal with particular problems and issues that are current in the electorate, and they spend a lot of time. And then some of them are, you know, retired professionals who are highly skilled people, and they prepare submissions and they do a whole lot of things, and then they go and knock on the door in Macquarie Street and the door never opens. So mm. they're just, there's a level of frustration uh, mm. that... Uh, Really here, um, they don't care about us. Uh, We're said to be wealthy NIMBYs um, and really the government, frankly, needs to spend money in the West where most of the marginal seats are. And we don't begrudge money going to the West, but the sense here is that we've been taken for granted and people really feel that they don't have an advocate.
0: Um, This sort of question gets back to what I was saying before, but... I'm assuming from the fact that you decided to have a go that you think quite a lot needs to be done to reform how yep. our democracy works. Could could you take hmm. me through what you think the core vulnerabilities are and how electing you can help reform and improve our democracy?
1: Well, look, I think this government's been in for three terms and it's just, it's tied and out of touch and it's got no good ideas. It's just run out of ideas. Mm. But the other thing that is really concerning is that, you know, the government has continued to debase process uh, and it's openly rotting, mm. And that really is pretty concerning. And if, if that behaviour isn't addressed, it becomes normalised. And that really then threatens our democracy. So... How do you deal with that? Well, the only way you can deal with that at the moment is to make the parties rebuild. I, I actually have a view that you should have strong parties in a democratic system. But if we look in New South Wales, I'd have to say I think the Liberal, Liberal Party has to completely rebuild. And Obviously, mm. at the federal level, it completely um, it needs to completely rebuild. And I think the Liberals in this state are close to that position. And you can see, as you get closer to an election and at the end of a third term, the... You know, factional bitterness starts to Mm. break through into the media and so there's a lot of dysfunction internally within the government and that sort of spills out into the media as things get a little more stressful. So for me, you know, this is such a critical time, most particularly for, you know, integrity, for climate, for biodiversity, that we need to do something in this election to make change. And I'm very satisfied that a stronger crossbench will be able to drive you know, better legislative outcomes and better policy. And importantly, we'll hold the, you know, the government of the day to account. Yep. So we need you know, the, the, the ideal situation obviously for us is a minority government where we can really you know, pressure the government to do things better, whoever might form the government of the day.
0: Okay, uh, full disclosure, I've been reporting many years the, the fight of the Liverpool Plains Farmers. Which mm. now who now face CSG mining in a pipeline on their agricultural land and also more mm. recently for ending native forest logging. Now, I know you have strong policies on both of those and you mm. met the Liverpool Plains farmers when they came to town mm. recently. Mm. Where do you stand? Is this a condition? Is this, a, you know, if, if you balance the power, is it, is it on mm. the table? Uh, and not only that, you know, you've got other... Big issues too. Mm, How mm. would you approach a a balance of power situation?
1: Mm. Well, you're right. There are lots of big issues, and and the Liverpool Plains is a huge issue in my view. And I'm, I'm absolutely opposed to uh, that uh, Narabai project. I'm opposed to the pipeline. You know, I'm opposed to a lot of what this government's doing as it approves more and more fossil fuels projects. So there are a lot of things, and you know. When I talk to different groups, they'll say to me, you know, perhaps say gambling. Oh, I've got a very strong platform on, on gambling reform. Uh, people say, well, will you make that a condition of your uh, supporting supply in the event of a minority government? Look, my position on that at the moment is that I don't know what circumstances are going to play out. I don't know whether I'm going to be in that position, and I don't know exactly what the you know the result of the election will bring. But for me, uh, having been around this community for months, I really have got a good sense of what all the issues are. And I would look at both parties and I would support the party that would best reflect the interests and aspirations of this community. I'm not really prepared at this point, I have to say, to say to people, I will make it a condition of my mm. support and supply that you um, you know, stop approving fossil fuels projects or whatever. What I do know is that, if a number of independents get elected, we'll be able to drive some pretty good policy change mm. in these areas anyway.
0: Mm. So we get to Matt Keane, and you know, Felicity Wilson is is a moderate and you know, as I said before, mm. New South Wales Party is the only only party, liberal party where there is a bit of a little bit of power for the for the moderates. Mm. Um, mm. how how are you addressing that particular issue, given that Matt Keane's clearly going into bat for Felicity. Like, I thought recently, Mm. first I thought, oh, gee, this is hopeless because safe seats they just don't like under the belts, you know, you're a fraud, Mm. you know, you should be smeared in oil, all that stuff. Mm. But then I thought I wonder if his real tactic was to say, hang on, the people of the North Shore, there's a real chance that an independent might be elected unless you come home. Um, mm. How did you read that and how did you respond to it?
1: Well, I was surprised by his comments, mm-hmm. I have to say. I mean, Matt Keane knows me. Mm-hmm. And as you said earlier in the podcast, only eight months ago, he reappointed me to the Board of Endeavour Energy to, to, to represent the government on that board. He knows my background very, very well. Yeah. In fact, I only, I think it's three weeks ago, I saw him up at the Project markets and had a bit of a chat to him. So he knows very well Um my background. So, you know, in eight months, I've gone from uh, angel to devil. Uh, So this is obviously a political ploy. um, And I read it as such. So, you know, I'm very proud of my history working in the energy sector. And he was referring, of course, to Caltex. But, you know, that was I started at Caltex um, 24 years ago, uh, a long time ago. But I understand how the energy sector works. It gives me that that sort of deep experience and insight will be very valuable as New South Wales moves to a greener economy along that pathway of decarbonisation. So I can bring a lot of experience in this space. And, of course, Endeavour Energy, it's a network provider and is involved in renewable energy initiatives. Mm -hmm. And I've been Mm -hmm. on that board for five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the transition that I have gone through represents exactly the transition this this community's gone through as the science has changed over the years and we understand the urgency of acting. Uh, So I I was sort of surprised, but then I, given all that, I thought, well, it's sort of, um, it's just politics. I'm not going to rise to that. Um, I thought the comments were juvenile and, 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 in fact, they were misinformed. He said I'd made my career off the back of big oil. That's completely wrong. I mean, I did work for Caltex, but I've done a thousand other things. Um, so they were misinformed, but I also I was disappointed because he does have a leadership position in New South Wales politics, and I think that was poor leadership behaviour. But for me, uh, I'm not intimidated by that. Uh, we just bat on. Now, we're running a campaign that focuses on policies, not people. Mm. It's it's run on, on uh, no, certainly a platform of integrity, so I'm not going to descend into some spat with Matt Keane. I, I, I just think that's diverting of our... Uh, activity. We need to keep our eye on what we're seeking to achieve. And this is just part of the uh, rough and tumble of politics.
0: Now, a couple of days after you said, let's not play below the belt,
1: mm. Climate
0: 200 issued a fly out in People's boxes mm. saying, duplicity, Wilson, and, and running mm. a very, very negative campaign against Felicity, to the extent of saying, put her last, which I thought would be very bad for your campaign since you really need to bring some more liberals across that carolyn you know mm. and mm. and I, I would have thought that long-time liberal voters might consider voting one helen two liberal um mm. how, how did, did you know anything about that no
1: no i didn't i knew nothing about it at all and i was sitting at my desk um preparing for a candidate forum uh, one afternoon late one afternoon and I got a text with that flyer attached to it with a question about, what is this mm. and I looked at it and I thought oh, I've got no idea what it is and so you know, we quickly made some inquiries I had to run off to the candidate forum and inquiries were made and it, it was obvious that it had been issued by Climate 200 and you know those sorts of flyers take some weeks to pull together you know you've got to design them print them and then I think you know, they probably got Australia Post to deliver the, the uh, little flyers. So, you know, that's a two, three, four-week uh, lead time. So it had obviously been in the um, pipeline for a while, but I, I knew nothing about it. So it, it was very concerning. Uh, that's not the sort of campaign we've run, and we certainly won't run a campaign like that as we run up to uh, Election Day. So very, very disappointing uh, because... It put the focus back on people and away from policy and mm. policy is the the important thing. And you know, our campaign is But it's also a
0: style, way. Helen. It's the style mm. of positivity, it's the style of listening, it's the style of constructive debate. It's to mm. me, it's the essence of the community independent that and it's what makes them so attractive because it's so different to the yes. substance free cesspit that that politics has mm. become. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah, and look, I think, look, overall, it was it was very interesting to see the reaction of people to it. I mean, the volunteers on my campaign were outraged. They were oh. very angry. And I'm sitting in this candidate forum and I can see all these messages. Did Helen approve this? We can't believe no. this. And yeah. So it took me 24 hours to settle them down and say, no, this is as much a surprise to us as it is to you. I'm very, very sorry it's happened. And then we, of course, had to issue a, a media release because – you know, we were very concerned that people thought we had done it and we had not.
0: Yes, I was. Um, it, it was a big moment when Zali Stegel tweeted, uh, very disappointed mm. in Climate 200. Community independence are not about the politics of fear and smear. Obviously, these, yep. these tensions will arise. But um, uh, and I noticed that you actually publicly distanced yourself in the Sydney Morning mm. Herald from Climate 200. And I'm just wondering, what, what assistance has Climate 200 given you in, in this campaign?
1: Well, certainly, I mean, so as you know, Margot, this is a you know, community-led campaign. It's a grassroots yeah. campaign. You know, we have, as I say, you know, over 150 volunteers. We have, uh, we're crowdfunded uh, this campaign. And, you know, the cap oh, really? is in dollars Yeah. So we've just gone out well to everybody done. and we've asked them to, to you know, donate. So... As we know, it's 198,000. We haven't got to 198,000 yet, but we're fairly close. Um, so Climate 200 have given us some advice um, just on technical things about, you know, electioneering and things of that nature. I mean, I knew a lot about this anyway because I used to chair Women for Election Australia, which is a not-for-profit okay. that trains women to stand for public office, a nonpartisan organisation. Um, but they gave us, they just give us some advice and because... Uh, you know the matters we talked about earlier, we have to put a value on that advice and bring it to account under the cap. but of course they can only contribute you know to the donor cap, which is three thousand three hundred per person or organization. so they, they have given us that and and I think the value of the advice and the support they've given us is comes in just under three three. Yeah. They have also uh supported my campaign in recommending me to their donor base mm-hmm. and some of the money we've got in and we have hundreds of donors I have to say there are a lot of people who'll donate twenty five dollars or fifty dollars you know, or a hundred dollars so we've got uh, you know hundreds of donors and some of them are climate two hundred people um but you know climate two hundred is not running my campaign i am you know the nine newspapers keep talking about Helen Conway, the, you know, the climate 200 candidate. I'm not a climate 200 candidate. I'm a community candidate. And but the media so, you know they love all that. And uh, they short um, it, it's a sort of a short summary of what they want to convey. That is that basically I'm one of Simon Holmes a people. And you know that's what they're it trying is. to convey.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I have to say this even though I shouldn't. I mean, I, I think Simon encourages that. I mean, I, I've noticed in the New South Wales election, mm. he's quoted all the time in every story about community independence. I mean, uh, mm. I really would like it if he took a slightly back mm. seat, but you probably don't want to comment on that. <laughs> um, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just so unfortunate that, um, y- that the community independent candidate is, is not in these circumstances in control. Of, mm. of what happens in the campaign because the timing was um, was terribly unfortunate, I thought, and, mm. and also, yeah. So what? We- also, I think that that negativity, I know mm. from my prior mm. experience in Wentworth, et cetera, it doesn't work in these safe seats. It can it can yeah. harm you, not help you. Mm. Mm.
1: Mm. Look, you're absolutely right, I, and look to the extent. Uh, there's been this uh, sort of snafu, if I can describe it that way. The only way we can react to that is just continue to focus on what we control. We run this campaign. We'll focus on what we can control. All sorts of funny things happen in election campaigns. They do. They do. (laughs) That change the course of election campaigns. We'll remember our children overboard. So, you know, campaigns um, are subject to those externalities over which you have no control. And so... And it's what I was saying to the volunteers, you know, we they said they're very angry and they're saying this should never have happened, et cetera. And yep. I said, we've just got to let that go. We've yep. got to focus on what we're doing and focus on what we control and continue to conduct our campaign in the same manner that we have from day one.
0: All right. So you've got three big problems. One was ID, which it sounds like you and your volunteers have done an enormous amount of work on. The mm. second is the funding caps. but again yep. you know you've clearly you're clearly yep. making a run of it and the third of course is the really big one which is optional preferential mm. voting um yep. you know the whole strategy of community independence is to take enough first preferences off of the liberals labor and greens to finish second and then and then and then preferences will take you over but in new south wales you can just put a one you can just put a one yep. two How are you addressing this very big structural problem to to, to you getting over the line?
1: Mm. You're right, Margot. This is a very big impediment. And, in fact, New South Wales is the only state that has this system. So it it is really a matter of education. And it's quite complex when you start to explain optional preferential voting and people just glaze over. So so what we think is that we keep the message very simple. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a couple of videos that are out there now um, on optional preferential voting, pitched a different demographic. Graphics. So, you know, we've got Lime Cordial doing one. There are a couple of other uh, organisations doing uh, videos on YouTube, mm-hmm. which people access, you know, different demographics um, uh, access. I've done a video on it, um, which we're going to push next week. And, uh, you know, we have adjusted our messaging, most particularly for pre-poll, which starts tomorrow, mm-hmm. and for election day. And really, we're trying to keep it very simple. We're just saying, vote one Helen Conway and number every box. So really, as people run into the ballot booth, you know, you have you know, about two nanoseconds with them, so you can't get many messages across. But for us, that's the most important message. You know, vote one Helen Conway and tick. Sorry, and number every box. So that's what we're trying to do, trying to get the message out and not complicate it. And there are various organisations in the community who are also sending this message. So for example, I was at a candidate forum three weeks ago. At the end of the forum, the convener of the forum got up and said, you must number every box. So people are trying to get the message out to their different community groups. But it is it is a very big barrier, uh, and we know that we need those, uh, as you say, Labor and Greens preferences. Now the how to vote cards are all out um, for North Shore. They've been signed off by the Electoral Commission, and you know, we have first preferences from Labor and the Greens.
0: hmm So basically, and I'm number you... two. So yeah, basically, I'm number two on the ballot too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are you? Oh, who's above you?
1: Uh well, it's a. Um, it's an organisation called Informed Medical Options Party.
0: Uh, a euthanasia party, or
1: well, I think I think they're anti-vaccination. Uh, oh, the anti-vax parties. party. All
0: oh, right. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I think
1: I think essentially right. that's what they are. <laughs> Look, I don't know a lot about them to be honest. I have met the candidate. I met the candidate for the first time last night at a candidate forum, um, and so they're number one, and I'm number two, mm. um, and then it goes down the list of seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, s- serious structural issues. So Jeffrey Watson QC said that launched your campaign and said you would be the most mm. qualified, um, most talented person ever to come in the building. You know, or, or no, not ever to come in the building. That that would be in the building after after the election. So I assume you've got some pretty big structural issues in mind in the long term, like how mm. to reform the public service so that it, mm. it works, how to mm. um, put guardrails um, on, on on government spending so that it's not wasted, um, mm. th- that you'd want reform to, to, to rorting. I mean, ha- have you got mm. any sort of really big picture ideas that you'd, that you'd like to work on over, over your four years?
1: Mm. well look integrity um, is an extremely big issue for me and I might say uh, for this community in North Shore because when I go around door knocking or I'm talking to people when I'm out and about people raise the issue of integrity a lot um, so it yes. is it is resonating with people and I think they're just sick and tired of uh, the rubbish they see so what they actually see is you know pork Barilaro, you know doing the usual things you no know, jobs for mates so they see those really obvious things um, and they're things that we need to uh, deal with. So, for example, um, I would seek to legislate uh, the guidelines for grants and their administration, and certainly I would seek to put in place a process for public uh, positions uh, so that they're merit-based and transparently mm. conducted. Mm. So there are some specific things like that. The thing that worries me is um, uh, there's sort of a... A bit of a culture, and I'm not saying this is necessarily the same in the state that it was in the federal government. But I'm looking, I'm thinking about things like the Robo mm. Royal Commission, where we've seen what I think is the most extraordinary evidence I think I've seen in a commission yeah. in my lifetime. Me too. But the absolute erosion of integrity and morality in that public service, and they sort of um, they take their leading away from the politicians. And that was why I was so disappointed in Matt Keane because if Matt Keane behaves like that, that sort of normalises that behaviour for the bureaucrats because they, oh, well, you know, the bosses are doing this, we can do it. So I think and it's it's hard to put your finger on it, but you hear these stories about people saying, oh, well, we can do this and we can do that, and you think, oh, my God, don't you see that's a conflict of interest? So that sort of level of um, not being astute about, you know, conducting yourself in an impeccable manner but the, but the other thing that really um, I think is a matter of integrity is how this government um, spends money. And it's our money, not theirs. And if you look at the amount of money they've wasted, so, you know, they've spent billions uh, propping up the transport asset holding entity and care. The, the, the cost overruns in the transport uh, infrastructure projects and the road infrastructure projects are huge. I mean, one has just been... You know, increased by a billion dollars, and it's like you know they're having a cup of tea when they say, "Oh, another billion dollars for that," and that's a cost overrun. You've got obviously the rorts and things where money is spent, and you've got you know top public servants being paid um, in total an eight hundred million dollar bill each year, and and the, the spend on consultants is yeah. you know once again shocking. And I know at the Fed, federal level they're trying to pull that back. But, you know, if you look at some of the departments like the Department of Education, I mean, if, if you're in one of the big four or you're one of those big consulting yeah. firms, you know, it's that, Christmas for you. So there's a whole lot of money that has been wasted. And and frankly, when I look at the schools and I look at the hospitals, I talk to nurses, I've been talking to nurses, doctors, I've talked to teachers. I mean, there are serious, serious structural problems in our health and education system. And that money that's been wasted should go to those areas because health and education are two of the biggest responsibilities of a state government.
0: Um, well, I, I, I'm just so thrilled that you, you're standing. I just, I mean, it's it's like the feds. I mean, you just all of a sudden you get this talent, but it's more than that. I, I always think about what Kate Cheney said. She said, "Oh, the government's about power without purpose." Now, where are the people? Um, representing mm. us, who want to future build Australia, who want to really mm. Mm. get down and think a bit um, longer term. So, I mean, you're you're clearly one of those people. And bloody hell, I, I, hope you get over the line for the sake of the North Shore. I mean, what a voice! Anyway, <laughs> thanks a million for coming on, and and best of luck, Helen. And um, I hope you make it for New South Wales' sake.
1: Great, and great to chat to you, Margot. Thank you for your time.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this Fibs no podcast. Until next time, goodbye.